0: Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently, and they have no respect for status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify, or vilify them. Because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as crazy ones, we see genius. The people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Live from the basement of Voodoo Sound, it's time to get your mojo working. I got my mojo working
1: Hey everybody and welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. That voice was Wazza the Rock Dog. Gone, but certainly not forgotten. Wazza was one of the great voices at the House of the M's, the Halcyon House of Triple M back in the day. One of the great voices, no longer with us. Wazza, you're gone, but you're certainly not forgotten on the Mojo Radio Show, mate. What a great way to start the show. Welcome, everybody. What do we do here? We get people that we think are interesting. And today we get a particularly interesting topic. It's around minimalism and tiny home living. We're going to jump straight into the show. but driving the big red bus that we call the Mojo Radio Show. Robbo, how's things behind the panel there, mate?
2: Things behind the panel are wonderful, thank you very much. The other thing we should mention about Wazza, too, is he was an exceptional journalist, which was actually his background. Yeah.
1: Exceptional journalist, and he was a character who literally, back in the days of Doug Mulray, for all our listeners here in Australia, people Males. will know Doug Mulray. Wazza <laughs> basically lived in the station as yes. the
2: rock dog at the house of the oh. end. The Mojo Radio Show.
0: The free, yeah. for you.
1: All right, now uh, we've got a very interesting show this week. Robbo and I have been following this trend that is currently gaining a lot of momentum called Tiny Home Living. Now, it ties together a number of things that we have been following. We've been following the the journey of the digital nomad, people who are, let's say, gypsies living on the road with a laptop and consulting to companies and doing work, no matter what it be. We've been following the trend of minimalism, where it's about having less stuff, but the stuff you do have has more meaning to you. And all that's tying up in the tiny home movement. Now, I've been speaking about this quite often to leaders of organisations saying, this is a trend that's out the back of the break. You've got to think about this because it is becoming more and more prevalent as house prices and land prices go through the roof. This week, we travel to Maui on the Mojo Radio Show and we get a very special guest who lives in a tiny home and has been for quite a while now. In fact, when I say quite a while now... Amy has downsized three times and is now living in a true tiny home. So, all the way from Maui, Amy, tolis aloha, and welcome to the Mojo Radio (laughs) Show. (laughs) (laughs) Thank
3: you. Yeah, I'm really excited to be on.
1: Yeah, I'm jealous. uh, We've never, we've never been able to say aloha to someone to start the show, Robert. That's well, pretty-
2: <laughs> I remember not long ago being forced to say aloha to you while you were sitting on the beach in Hawaii recording the program, Mr. Birtwistle. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> well,
1: we are talking to Amy from Maui and I probably upfront, it's a pretty special place for me because I got married over there, uh, Amy, so it's a very, very cool place in our household. Um, just to... Kind of start us off. We're a bit fascinated by your lifestyle. Could you tell us how you and your husband have set up your
0: world?
3: Yeah. So we recently moved to Maui um, a couple months ago, and it was it was a while in the making because we we lived in Colorado before uh, before we moved to Maui, and we both just kind of realized that we were at a place in our lives where we were both kind of in a corporate setting and it wasn't really what we wanted out of our, out of our futures. So we, um, did a lot of talking and a lot of kind of manifesting and putting it out there, what we wanted out of our lives and really worked hard to make it happen and, um, got here a couple months ago. And since then I have been, uh, working on, My online business. So I'm a nutritional uh, therapy practitioner. So I work with clients one on one in person and online um, to discover the root causes of whatever health symptoms they're having by addressing their body as a whole. So looking at things like digestion, blood sugar, um, vitamin, mineral deficiencies, detoxification, stuff like that. So, yeah, just really working on trying to create the, the life that I wanted instead of, you know, working a nine to five, which was not fulfilling me.
1: <laughs> and we're going to talk about the actual where you live and that setup, because that's something Rob and I are terribly fascinated yeah. by. I just want to I read you a little piece out of a blog you wrote recently. You said, when I first met my husband, he worked for a lucrative management position and earned more than enough money for us to live well. Our weekends consisted of much the same, late nights out in Denver, expensive drinks and lots of shopping. We had a beautiful downtown city apartment and two cars. On paper, things looked perfect, except they weren't. Can you pick up the story from there of why they weren't and what happened between then and now? Sure, yeah, so at that
3: time, we, I think just, I mean, obviously we've always really been in love and, and everything has been great. But, um, I think at that time we just got really caught up in the, the money and buying things to try and make us happier and try and, you know, he was working in a pretty stressful job at that time. And so I think a lot of whatever was going on between us, we would try and make better by, you know, going out and buying things or going shopping to try and like bring back that joy that we used to have when, you know, things were less stressful. And, um, so after a while, and I don't think we even started to, I guess, downsize would be the right word. We didn't really start doing that. Um, because we thought that it would end up making us more happy, but we kind of, we kind of just Kept taking small steps that we didn't realize at the time that were really going to amount to creating a lot better life for us. So we started to slowly get rid of things. Um, We started to move into smaller and smaller apartments. And eventually we actually moved into a tiny house. And at the time it was just kind of like, we thought it was a cool trend. And so we moved into a tiny house and it turned out that we ended up getting rid of so much stuff. And we realized that we actually started to really embrace that kind of minimalism lifestyle. And And we had the least amount of things we ever had, but we were more happy than we had ever been. And so, um, yeah, so we lived in the tiny house in Hawaii or in Colorado. And then, um, now we live in a even smaller house. So it's not on wheels, which our tiny house in Colorado was on wheels, but now we are just in a tiny little (laughs) hut. That's, I think it's about 124 square feet, um, which is very, very tiny, um, no kitchen or anything. And we barely have any physical possessions, but I would say that we definitely have a lot more fulfillment in our lives than we ever have before. What defines
1: a tiny home? And I recently asked that there was a television show in Australia and they were talking about tiny home living, but they weren't tiny homes. They were just flats. They were just apartments. They were just normal apartments. In your mind, this growing trend, this growing, let's call it a way of life of living tiny home, Being someone who's now been doing it for a while, immersed in it, how would you actually describe tiny home living?
3: Well, I think to technically be considered a tiny house, I think it has to be under 200 square feet. And I think that they usually are on wheels. Um, So depending on, I mean, if you want to be technical or not, but I, so I think anything around 200 or less square feet is definitely considered a tiny home. And I think the, the purpose behind it is really just focusing your money on experiences rather than spending a bunch of money on, you know, furnishing your house and having a big mortgage and having, you know, fancy cars and just kind of getting back to the really important things in life. At least that's kind of my view of
1: it. So what what's the biggest adjustment you've had to make? I mean, to go from what we all would consider to be normal into this growing way of life of living either on wheels uh, or in super small environments what was the what was the biggest adjustment that you and your husband had to make i
3: think probably the biggest adjustment would be i mean obviously getting rid of everything we didn't need was huge but once you do get rid of everything and you're in that tiny of a space you have to be really really cognizant of what you are buying and what you're bringing into your house because I mean, a lot of times, even now people will be like, oh, you know, it's Christmas coming up or it's your birthday. Like, what can I get you? And I'm like, please don't buy me anything physical because I have, <laughs> I have nowhere to put it. <laughs> so uh, just, just really, and, you know, trying to just be really, really careful about, cause I mean, it can get cluttered so easily. And in that tiny of a space, it can really drive you insane if you have stuff everywhere. So just being really careful
1: about that. Yeah. <laughs> there was stuff that you had to jettison to ixnay to get down to 124 square feet. How, how did you face that thing that we all go through when we are cleaning up a, a room or a part of our, our home and we go, oh, I just, I just cannot throw that out. But I would think you get to a point where all those, I just can't throw it out's become basically a second hope on its own. exactly how how do you go through that I'm always interested in the the minimalist approach to this that that stuff that you go you know how, how do you emotionally cover that
3: yeah it definitely is hard because I mean you don't I don't think we realize how emotionally attached we are to certain things like even things that I haven't worn like in years and I would think to myself oh I really don't want to get rid of that but then I would kind of I mean, it helps when you have a partner in it because you can kind of be that outside perspective. Like with my husband, if he, if he had a piece of clothing that he really didn't want to get rid of and I can just be like, okay, when was the last time you really wore that? Like, are you, is that really something that you're going to need in your life? And then, so we would kind of be that person for each other and that made it a lot easier to, to get rid of things. But I think just a rule of thumb we had was if we hadn't worn it or used it in the past month or so, it's obviously not very necessary. So we could that would be kind of our rule to get rid of it. it be
2: kind of easy to do that in Hawaii, wouldn't it? Because all you need is uh, shorts and a t-shirt, right?
3: Oh, totally. I mean, <laughs> I think that really helps too, honestly. I don't know how how easy this would be if like we lived somewhere where you needed a lot of warm clothes or anything. Because honestly, most of the time, I mean, I'm wearing – a bathing suit or a sundress and that some sandals and I don't really re- require a whole lot yeah. of clothes or <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: more difficult if you've got to find somewhere for ski jackets and ski boots and stuff as well. Right?
3: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It
1: must be a different change, psychologically a different change in your mind when you look at stuff now, I Amy. Mean, surely you must've gone through this process of a number of years where when you look at things, you have a different evaluation of them. How do you evaluate either buying something that you want or not and or throwing something out that you actually don't really need, but the emotions there. How do you now evaluate stuff in your mind?
3: Uh, well, I kind of take it. I, I look at the bigger picture, and this is a, this is kind of something that really helped me with the whole downsizing thing in the beginning too. Was I looked at, you know, I, identifying what I really wanted out of my life, and everything, every decision from there, whether it was getting rid of something or bringing something back in, it was it was kind of like, is this going to take me? closer to my goal or further away from my goal. And so that was really helpful to me. And now I'm like, okay, if I spend the money on these new clothing items, is that going to make me have more financial freedom or less? So, I mean, the ultimate goal for me, and I'm just going to put this out there because I'm a big believer in um, manifesting things, but the ultimate goal is to be able to work and travel and be a digital nomad and travel around and work from wherever. Um, and so that is what I am trying to, to accomplish with all of my decisions, with getting rid of things, with, you know, only buying the absolute most important items that I need.
1: You just mentioned digital nomad. It's something, Robo and I have been sort of following this for probably a year or so, but a few guests we've had on the show that are living the same sort of lifestyle. I mean, can you describe what it's like to be a digital nomad for real? Like for real? For real? Yeah, uh, for real. Like a, yeah, for real? Uh, like <laughs> a day... Uh, food, how you spend your day, time online. Like what's, if you have control of your day, which sounds like you do most days in Maui, one of the most picturesque places in the world, what's a day look like for a digital nomad?
3: Definitely very, very blessed. And, um, I still do have another part-time job as I'm trying to still create, you know, what I really want for my business. But, Um, I do have a lot of freedom and that's, that's something that's really great for me because I, like I said, I could never be just working a nine to five job doing the same thing every day. So, um, when I wake up in the morning, I usually, I'll, I'll definitely start the day. And this is a recent practice that I've started doing is, um, journaling. So I'll do. I'll do some gratitude. I do a couple different things. So I write down things that I'm grateful for, and I try to make them different every day. So I try and, like, really think about them so I'm not just, like, repeating the same thing over and over. Um, I do – I write down mantras for what I want out of my life and out of my business. Um, and then I also do, like, an intention for the day. And then lastly, I just write um, – Uh, Sorry, I'm trying to think of what the name of that is called. But basically, I'll just write um, like affirmations, like I am blank, whatever I I want to be or be in that moment or in that day. Um, So I start with that, and then I I usually will – yeah, oh, I don't have a kitchen. So then for breakfast, that's usually a pretty interesting setup. But um, usually I'll make some sort of smoothie or smoothie bowl just because I have a blender. um, So that makes my – makes a large part of most of my meals. Um, And from there, yeah, I'll usually do something outside. I really love to like connect with nature and I'll usually put on a podcast or something um, so I can kind of kill two birds with one stone, get some exercise in and also like kind of learn something hopefully. And from there, um, I usually start working Um, I I try because I obviously live in such a tiny house. It's pretty hard to stay focused, um, if I'm just like sitting on my bed working. So I'll try and go to like a coffee shop or something like that to stay focused for a while. Um, so I will a lot of times see clients. I will write blog posts. I'm working on a couple online programs to hopefully reach a larger amount of people, uh, rather than what I can just do one-on-one. And then in the evenings I will go to my other job.
1: (laughs) Was there a moment? Amy, in the last couple of years where you've gone from where you and your hubby were and you started this journey, was there a moment where you went, you know, this actually is it. Like now, for some reason, I feel as I'm on the right path.
3: Oh, uh, definitely. Um, I love that question. I think I definitely, I mean, it's been smaller steps to kind of where I am now, but I think as soon as we got to Maui, I just completely felt like it was just the right decision. And I felt so much more expansive in my work and in my ideas. Whereas when we were kind of stuck in that whole mindset before of having things and working in a corporate job, it just, I felt just kind of stuck, I guess is the best way to put it in my life. I just, I didn't really feel like I was accomplishing it, accomplishing anything. And I really, I knew, I think somewhere deep down that I was, meant to do something else. And as soon as, you know, we started making the decisions to move out here and everything seemed to work out pretty, I mean, pretty easily. I, I think it obviously took a lot of work, but I really felt like it was for the best and meant to be because of the way that it worked out. Um, and yeah, since being here, I would definitely say that was the moment when I was like, okay, this is what I meant to do. I meant to, you know, work, online and start this business that I really believe is helping people and also um, yeah just kind of hopefully inspire more people to follow on this trend of minimalism and hopefully find out what their what their calling is or what they' what is going to make them really feel fulfilled
1: in life' something I'm curious about people downsizing to tiny home living and being a minimalist is there ever a moment where you sit and you see a blog or you watch a video on YouTube or you see a television show on Netflix and you see, Kind of people living the lifestyle that you and your husband had, and many, many people live. Do you ever catch yourself a bit of envy, or finding yourself sort of missing part of that? Um, yeah,
3: I mean, to be honest, I I think definitely. I mean, I don't when I see something like that. I, I don't know if envy is the right word, but I kind of think to myself like, oh, that I remember those days. Like that was fun, or I'd, I'd kind of like to do that again. Like look at that beautiful, you know, apartment or anything like that but I but then it's kind of fleeting because I know I know that it was fun kind of in the moment but it wasn't really fulfilling me at like a soul level so maybe for like at a night for like a night it would it would be fun and I kind of miss that but I, I still wouldn't I don't think I would trade I wouldn't go back to that for sure
2: I want to take you back just a couple of steps. A couple of questions yeah. ago, you mentioned that you don't have a kitchen. Yeah. Practically, in a practical sense, can you just walk us through how that works? I mean, we all, when you, if we if we all stop and think about it, we all sort of feel like we need a kitchen. I'm interested to know, you know, do you eat out? How do you function without a kitchen? Barbecue, mate. Sure.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> What'd you say?
3: Of
2: barbecue, of Tim Tams. barbecue every yeah, it is barbecue everything. <laughs>
3: <man>. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, it, it definitely has taken some um, preparation and thought because obviously my work is around nutrition, so it would be kind of um, counterintuitive if I was eating out at every meal. But I did make it a point to get. So we do have a couple things that are really important. We have a pretty large size. Uh, Fridge slash freezer. So we do keep a lot of like frozen foods and um fruit, fresh fruit and vegetables and stuff in there. And then we also have like a little um like George Foreman grill. So like a little grill okay. and then we do Georgie. Big Georgie.
1: big, yeah. big <laughs> fan of the show. Yeah. Amy, big fan of the show. Georgie, always on the line <laughs> to us, mate. The big follower. Hey, go for your rounds oh, with the big follower. Yeah. <laughs>
3: A rice cooker, which is really important, and then a a blender. Okay. So
2: so it's just it's it's not so much no kitchen; it's just a minimalist kitchen.
3: Yes, right. Very very minimalist kitchen. Yeah, right. So we do have some appliances that help us out, and. Um, to be honest, I eat a lot of the same things like day in and day out, which can get kind of boring. But at the same time, you know, it saves money buying the same things every time I go to the store and knowing what my options are. I don't really have to like think about it. I'm just can spend my time thinking about other things. So,
2: And just, a thought that just occurred to me. Do you find that, that that keeping to, in general terms, let's use the word diet, do you find that in keeping to a diet, Having a kitchen like that keeps you more disciplined because you really don't have an oven to bake cookies or, you know, all that sort of stuff? Um
3: I don't know. I I personally mm, that's a good question. I feel like I would still eat a similar way even if I did have an oven. Um I almost don't know if I'd even want an oven here because it would just generate so much heat. So <laughs> I I don't even know if I yeah, I don't even know if I would use it anyway. It so I kind of Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Or take a walk so, up the
2: volcano or something.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I could probably put something outside right now and it would cook anyway. Yeah. So
1: <laughs> let's um let's talk about your work, Amy. You you are a digital working towards that that lifestyle of a digital nomad, and you wrote a, a blog that said quitting your job as a personal trainer was the best decision you ever made. Can you just talk us through that?
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, so. A little bit of background, I won't go into too much detail, but um, I, for about six years, had an eating disorder um, starting about at the age of 16. And after that, I it kind of transformed into like an exercise addiction and orthorexia. And I just had was dealing with a lot of kind of demons, I guess you would say. And in college, I just became really, really obsessed with working out. And I thought that that obsession meant that that's what I was meant to do with my life was like help other people get really fit and always be in a gym. And, but what I came to realize through actually becoming a personal trainer and doing that for a while is that it was just kind of a, an obsession of mine that was really keeping me stuck in that mindset. And it, it eventually became really unhealthy for me. So when I eventually did quit my job, um, as a personal trainer, it, it kind of, it was really scary at first because I had been so obsessed with living that lifestyle, being in a gym and never, you know, never having an excuse not to work out. Um, and then going to like, now I, I don't have a gym membership. I don't have really any exercise equipment. Um, and so it, it kind of, in, in one sense, it was really scary because I had to kind of figure out what, I truly was passionate about. And instead of just, you know, obsessing about the gym. um, But in, on the other hand, it was really, really freeing as well, because it just freed up a lot of time. And I could kind of realize what a, you know, negative mindset I had been in before.
1: I mean, it's an interesting thing. And I'm I'm sure your, um, your husband's a big strong fellow. So I'll be careful how I frame this, but um, you look, you look in great shape. You're beautiful. You look healthy, vibrant. If you are not seemingly working out and training like a lot of bloggers and writers and video and Instagram people are talking about in your industry, what do you put down your vitality, your health to? I mean, how would you sum that up?
3: Oh, uh, that's such a great question. I, I mean, obviously, a lot of it is that I feel like I fuel myself with Really, really good, high quality, you know, local, organic food. Um, But I think more so than what you're eating is just how, what, you know, your mindset. Are are you happy with your life? Are you doing things that build you up, that um, make you feel inspired? And I feel like for a long time I was not doing that at all, and I. I maybe looked like I was fit, but I feel like I, you could tell by just looking at my eyes that there was something different. So, um, yeah, I think enjoying your life and having respect for your body too is huge because I think that determines how well you choose to feed yourself. So, um, you know, feeling, feeling good about myself and having self-confidence allows me to choose foods that I know are going to be nourishing and also, um, you know, I keep continue to you know chase the joy in my life and do things that make me happy, and I feel like that are hopefully going to reach other people and, and inspire them too. So
1: interesting. You wrote on the Maddie Moon blog recently. You talked about loving your body, and you said the first step to loving your body was cleaning up your social media feed. Can you just sort of elaborate a little bit on that? Because I, I found that I find that fascinating. Oh, sure. Tell me your angle on that.
3: Sure. Yeah, and I it's interesting, because I think that that actually really has a lot to do with minimalism too, like getting rid of all of the stuff that doesn't serve you. Um, And and I I view that as, you know, part of social media, I for a long time, especially when I was caught in that obsessive, you know, fitness state, I was following a lot of people, especially on uh, Instagram, that were like, fitness people or bodybuilders or, you know, really obsessed with working out. And I would really compare my body to theirs. And if, you know, if they if they were thinner than me, or they were more ripped than me, and I felt like, Oh, my God, like, I'm a personal trainer, but I don't look like that. Like, I need to change what I'm doing. I need to eat the way that they're eating. Um, So really, I just started getting rid of any social media accounts, especially Instagram, because you know, it's very visual anybody that I was following that that um, made me compare either what I was doing with my food what I was doing with my exercise if they made me feel bad about my life I mean and that has nothing to do with them it was just more that I was taking it so personally and so and internalizing everything so I feel like one of the best ways to for other people to kind of Either improve their body image or get rid of all. I mean, I think people can drive themselves so crazy if they're listening to every health guru out there and what that person is saying because everybody is so conflicting. So if you're one of those people who feels like they're just going crazy trying to listen to everybody's advice, the first step is get rid of all the people and start, you know listening to your intuition instead. Amy, this
1: has been um, fascinating. And uh, I thought I'd ask you this question because I, I know it's going to bring a big smile to Robbo's face. Um, <laughs> part of your eating plan for the day involves, get this Robbo. Tim Tam, Banana. Banana. <laughs> 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 Everyone needs a little treat, big fella. Uh, no, it's banana nice cream. Oh. And I saw the recipe on uh, one of Amy's blogs or posts, which looks look fantastic. Can you
2: talk us through the banana nice cream? I think this baby? might be something that my my three-year-old is actually eating at the moment. It sounds similar. Mm.
3: Oh, Oh, yeah. It's so good. And I, I eat it every single night. It's so delicious. Um, so basically, you just freeze bananas. And um, the base of what I use is usually either an almond or coconut milk. So I'll, I don't measure, but um, for the sake of somebody that wants to make it, I would say probably about a half a cup of almond or coconut milk. And then I'll put one to two frozen bananas, um, some ice, and then from there you can kind of make it whatever flavor that you want. So I usually put a little bit of like peanut butter or almond butter in it. Um, yeah, and then blend it up till it's a really cre <laughs> really creamy, like uh, soft serve type consistency. Um, and I also always actually put collagen peptides in it too, which is Ooh. like an added source of. Added source of yeah, added source of protein that's really good for your gut health.
1: Be really good for Robert's complexion, wouldn't it?
3: Great, it's great for your skin and hair too. Oh. <laughs> so
1: is it an ice cream
2: facelift? <laughs> it's, an, it's an ice cream Botox. Yes,
3: it, it really is. It's like Botox.
2: <laughs> I'm going to throw you one while you're on that subject. Have you tried um, yeah. the Steady. avocado avocado chocolate mousse? <laughs> Have you done that?
3: Oh, I haven't, but I've heard that it's really good. Oh, and it
2: sounds good. man, it is sensational. Oh. A little bit, mate, of coconut, little bit of coconut oil, some avocado, some cocoa powder. Oh, my gosh. Oh. That sounds on amazing. On the col- and mate, the avocados your
4: chin,
2: out, here, out here are huge. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Thanks, Gary. Oh, you're, you're dribbling on the console. I'm, I'm dribbling on the microphone. There, Can't you hear it? Chocolate. <laughs> 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 yeah, nice one. No, that, that sort of stuff sensational. Yeah. Now... Uh, How do
1: we how do we find out more about the work you're doing, Amy? There'll be people and I'm gonna say I first came across Amy on Mind Body Green. There are a number of blogs you've written there, which are terrific. The photography is beautiful. The stories are great. You've done really well. How does how do people find out more about you, your lifestyle, your work, uh, the business? Sure. Um,
3: yeah. So, you can follow – my website is rebelnutrition.com. So, that's R-E-B-E-L-L-E, nutrition.com. And then I am at Rebel Nutrition on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and yeah, in the next couple of months, I'm going to be launching some online programs. And I also – just started a podcast as well so if you're interested in that that's the real yeah it's called the real food good mood podcast so (laughs) we've only done about 10 episodes so far but there you go
2: on itunes give yourself a plug yep yes it's on itunes well there you go go find it folks hey um Amy,
1: have you seen Woody Harrelson over there? Is he a neighbour or something? Like, do you hang?
2: Do you hang together? (laughs) Yeah, he was just over for dinner last night, Gaz. What do you reckon? (laughs) Will he?
3: Not yet. I'm I'm waiting for my first celebrity sighting, but I haven't seen anybody yet.
2: (laughs) Well, you mean Jack Nicholson hasn't been knocking on your front door, going, "I'd like to come for dinner."
3: Oh God, yeah, no, I hope not.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Now listen, I can't let you go without uh, you having a stab at Robbo's nifty ninety. Here we go. go.
0: Robbers, nifty 90.
3: Uh-oh. Okay.
2: All right, you got 90 seconds. I'm going to give you a bunch of rapid fire questions. First <laughs> okay. nice nice short answers. First ones that pop into your head, okay? Okay. All right, here we go. What's your favorite color? Pink. What's one thing you need to stop doing?
3: Uh, saying um. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's the last what's the last unessential thing you got rid of out of your life or your house?
3: Probably an item of clothing.
2: Favorite pizza topping? Green peppers. Three things you'd take with you if your house was on fire.
3: Oh, my laptop and my Vitamix.
2: He can hey, um, uh, my
3: my <laughs> stuffed animal. <laughs> and your stuffed
2: animal. What's the stuffed animal?
3: He, he's very meaningful.
2: <laughs> What's his name quickly? Hulk Hulk Hulk. <laughs> um dogs or cats what's your preference dogs the most treasured possession
0: Hulk. <laughs> <laughs>
2: what's the best thing about living in a tiny house
3: spending more time outside
2: name a movie you've watched more than 10 times mean girls what's the last book you read
3: well i'm in the process of reading the subtle art of not giving an f
2: <laughs> there you go, oh yeah book. i've heard that yeah three words to describe yourself
3: authentic Kind and inspired.
2: And what's the last song that got stuck in your head?
3: The Greatest by Sia and Kendrick Lamar. I'm free to be the
0: greatest here the greatest
2: there you go,
1: Gaz. You're going to have to uh, adjust your questions, though, because you say, what are the last, what are the first three things you take it through as a fire? Most people say, mate, I'll just reverse the truck up, put it on the tow hitch, and take the whole, whole house with me. I take, the take whole everything house with to me. throw it on the back of the truck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, Tate was grabbing his phone, his gun, his wallet. It's like, mate, I'll just reverse up the truck and hook it up. We're gone. We're out of here. That's funny. Nice work. Very well done.
3: Oh, thank you.
1: Amy, you're an absolute delight. And folks, when you get online and see Amy's stuff, you'll see that her. Her vitality and zest it comes through beautifully in, in, in her eyes and the stuff she writes and does. And I think your clients are very lucky to have you. We, we've been very lucky to have you for a little bit on the Mojo Radio Show, Amy. Thanks for sharing. It's been awesome. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun.
2: How do you say see you later in Hawaiian?
3: Oh, uh, I think it's a huiho.
0: A hooie ho! A ho! Yeah, hooie ho! <laughs> Sounds like
2: someone down King's, middle of King's Cross on a Saturday night. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a hooie, a hooey, a ho, Amy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I hope that's right. Anyway, yeah.
2: yeah. if it's not, it's something like that, right? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> the Mojo Radio Show. I don't need to worry about moving to a little house because that's all I can afford. <laughs>
1: I tell you, it's what's really funny about this is that I know a lot of people will go, oh, yeah." Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. But it is going to become more and more prevalent mm. as families are trying to find a home they can afford mm. and they start realising all the shiny toys and all the shiny things they've got aren't bringing them true joy and true happiness. And uh, this is, there's a big ground swell on this. And when I saw Amy's work on Mind Body Green with the work she had written about her living environment with her husband and how she's setting herself up as a digital nomad and just her vibe. I mean, you could feel the freshness and the health and the vitality coming down the line, couldn't you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, I think you're right. I mean, I think this more and more, this is going to become prevalent. I mean, you look at Sydney, for example, where I live, 20 years ago, a quarter acre block was the norm. These days, there's apartment blocks springing up everywhere because they're hotly in demand. So I think you're right. Yeah, it's insane. All right. Now, Here's our segment called Getting After It.
3: Okay, roll
2: it. At the Mojo Radio Show, we love hearing about people who are chasing their dreams. I have a dream. People who are getting after it. Get off it, get off it. Gotta have soul to going to get on our bikes.
1: We are. Now, this segment is all about finding young guys and girls that are having a crack out there, and we, in our little way, want to get behind them and give them a helping hand. And because we've just done a campaign on Kickstarter, we came across another campaign, which is currently on Kickstarter for you guys to check out. It's from All Cycling Clothing. It's a really interesting product. It's currently in the middle of its journey on Kickstarter. I'll put a link to their campaign in the show notes. Tim Christian, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show, mate. Thanks, mate. It's good to be here. I've got a question first up. What's wrong with riding your bike wearing tracky dacks? Uh, it's wrong in so many levels.
4: Where do I even start? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's why he's the producer, Tim. Uh, uh, mate, just give us, a, uh, give us the executive summary of the product you have built that you are currently promoting on Kickstarter. What is it? The
4: simple summary is uh, it's coffee-enhanced cycling and active wear that kills odour and is kind of the planet. There's a lot more to it than that, but um, that's probably the, the, the basic overview.
1: Now, we love our coffee, mate. There's actually coffee beans or coffee grinds in the product. Is that right?
4: That's correct. Yeah, it's coffee grinds. So the grinds are taken post-consumer. So you've had your espresso. They've thrown the grinds in the bin. Um, they take the bin and process that product, um, and we put it in the fiber, of the yarn. So it's actually part of the yarn that then goes into knitting the fabric. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so it's not, it's not just a gimmick. It's, it's actually uh, performance enhancing for the product. So
1: how does it enhance my performance? Cause I could do with as much performance enhancing legally. <laughs> thanks Lance. <laughs> uh, as I can get, how does it enhance my performance or so for anybody who wears this stuff, guy or girl, how does that work?
4: Well, for the, the elite athlete, um, there's a couple of benefits. Um, It's really enhancing the the garment um, more than the the wearer. The advantage of enhancing the garment is that it keeps you cooler when you're riding. So um, for the elite athlete, that is a a big thing because every time um, your temperature rises, you lose uh, power. Um, For the everyday wearer um, and the elite athlete, the best thing about it is that it kills odor and it keeps you dry. So it dries faster and it neutralizes your odor. It's 250% more effective at killing odor than the competitors' products.
1: Now, Tim, I've ridden in your kit as a, as a test run, and what I found was that it just seems snuggerer. Like it just, it fits so beautifully on you when you are out and about having a ride. Right. What is it about the design that just makes it feel so snug and efficient on the, on the skin?
4: Uh, that's We use um, 3D cutting technology, so that's more about how the garment is put together um, and, you know, the, the actual the cut of the garment, I guess. And also, um, I mean, it, ha- it has to be cut well. But the other the other side to that is that the fabric is um, a, it's a four way stretch fabric. Um, that's in the kit that you've got is the the pro cycling kit. So there's two elements that combine to make the garment fit like snugly and be really comfortable. How
1: did all this start for you, Tim? What was the how long have you been
4: doing this, and how did it start? So I actually started planning this sort of stuff back in 2012 um, when I, I actually got hit by a car. Um and i I just got fed up with being target practice for cars on the road in Sydney, and I started researching for one product um, about visibility on the road um, and found that that market was already you know pretty much saturated and, and there were some good products out there that i didn't need to compete with. but while I was doing that research, I found some other materials that um, i wasn 't previously aware of, and I thought, why isn't anyone doing this? you know we, we should be you know we, everyone sort of thinks cycling is a green sport. Um, but there's not really a lot of thought put into the equipment that they're using while we're cycling um and the clothes they're wearing. So I thought that was a an interesting avenue to take and being a bit of a greenie myself, um pursued it and then, um made my original jersey, um, which had sort of limited success. It got um uh you know, I got lots of pats on the back for doing it, but I didn't sell a heap of them. Um and since then, um I found the, and developed the coffee fabric and the frog skin nanotechnology, which I didn't mention before. Um, so it's been a sort of an evolution over um, the last four years, um, and the last two years I've been pretty much going. Um, all day and all night on the the latest release on Kickstarter. In
2: sport in general, there's a a lot of money being spent on on sporting garments. I mean, from from my experience, teams like the Wallabies and the All Blacks are spending massive amounts of money with ASICS and and Adidas on developing new jerseys um, for Rugby Union. Is there a a scope for this to expand further than cycling?
4: Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, the Kickstarter has uh, running or, or fitness apparel as part of it as well. So Gary's got the cycling apparel, but there's also um, general like general gym and fitness tops for men and tank tops for women that they like to work out in. So they so sort of the two biggest um, markets for the, the general activewear market is a T-shirt for men and the, the tank top for women. So I thought I'd offer that as part of the Kickstarter as well. How much have you put into this, Tim?
1: Like at this moment right now, four years into it, you got a campaign on Kickstarter, which we'll talk about in a second. How much have you put into this with time, effort,
4: money? Um, time and effort, one hundred percent. I don't know if I could have done any more, and my family has sort of, uh, you know, been very understanding. Um, money, I'm hoping my wife's not going to listen to this because um, <laughs> I've been digging into the mortgage.
0: No, nobody listens, mate.
4: <laughs> um, but yeah, look, I, it's it's somewhere between 100 and of my own my own mortgage. Um so yeah I put it out there um it's it's um there's a lot of a lot of research and development behind it and now it's just a matter of trying to get the word out Has it been worth it? But absolutely yeah. Yeah even if I don't recoup that that money um the learning experience and the journey has been has definitely been worth it. And I've made some great connections along the way. Um I've learned a lot about business. Yeah 100% it.
1: So for our listeners who want to get on board this, you're on Kickstarter. We go into Kickstarter, what would we search, mate?
4: It's not under bike, but it's if you, if you do a, um, a search, um, you'll find it under cycling apparel or under the fashion. So
1: on Kickstarter, what's the brand name we're searching for and what's the website we'd look for?
4: The brand name is OORR, uh, which stands for out of the rat race. So <laughs> it's like a, a liberation style um, brand name, yeah. And the website, the website is uh, kickstarter.oorr.com.au. And right. I'll link through into the Kickstarter.
1: We'll put a link through to your Kickstarter campaign on our show notes, mate. We, uh, we think it's fantastic, mate. Good luck with your Kickstarter campaign. We will be doing our best to spread the
4: word for you. Thanks, guys. Congratulations on your recent one too.
1: Yeah, we're pretty stoked, actually. Um, I, I, yeah, I know what you're well. going through, brother. I can, I can, I can know exactly what you're going through day by day with the Kickstarter thing. But um, it comes with a rush at the end, and uh, let's hope we can uh, we can share a, a coffee together and uh, celebrate both our victories in Kickstarter.
2: Wearing lycra. That'll be
0: great. <laughs> I'm Anna Devenna. I'm also known as the Sleep Muse. I help people get a great
3: night's sleep.
4: And often when people are struggling with sleep, I suggest that they listen to the Mojo radio show. And when they do,
0: they fall asleep instantly.
2: (laughs) Do you know what else I like about this segment besides the fact that these guys are out there having a go? Mm. I love the fact that these are all such cool Aussie inventions as well.
1: Yeah, this one is a a really interesting one. It ties back a number of things that we love on this show which is uh, coffee. (laughs) Well, of course. Exercise. That was what attracted
2: you to this guy in the first place. All you saw was coffee, right?
1: Yeah, but it's just, uh, (laughs) don't you find it fascinating that taking coffee grounds that are generally thrown away or put into someone's garden or probably in backfill in most cases or it's in the trash can. And he's taken it and it actually is a very, very good product. I think if people investigate this product and try it out, if it gets up on Kickstarter, they'll be pleasantly surprised at how comfortable and how resilient this thing is. And they've used
2: nature in terms of the frog skin design of this stuff. So uh, all in all, I think a pretty good package. Isn't it interesting how how far we've come in sports that it's become so competitive that we're now talking about clothing? I mean, I mentioned during the interview, the All Blacks jersey. And the only reason I know about that is because during the last World Cup on Foxtel, there was a one-hour episode on the technology just in the All Blacks jersey itself. They filled a one-hour show just talking about the technology that's now involved in making a rugby jersey. Mm. It's just crazy. Mm. God of rock, thank you for this chance to kick ass.
0: The Mojo Radio Show's Lessons in Rock.
1: Okay, pop quiz (laughs) hotshot. Name the song. Yeah. I have climbed the highest mountains. I have run through the fields. I have run, I have crawled, I have scaled these city walls. I've spoken with the tongue of angels, I have held the hand of the devil. It was warm in the night, I was cold as a stone. I believe in the kingdom come, then all the colors will bleed into one.
2: Ah, uh, yeah, I got nothing. I know know I'm, it's it's on the tip of my tongue, but I couldn't tell you who it is. Well,
1: it's one of our favourite bands and we have toured them a number of times when we worked in radio together and the band is you 2 The song is I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. Mm. The reason it's our lesson of rock is I think it ties back to what Amy was going through and her husband back when they were having difficult times and they were trying to find what they were looking for in buying and spending and purchasing things, but ultimately... With all those shiny, bright toys and items and furniture and clothing and jewellery and nights out and dinners, after all that, they still weren't happy because they hadn't found what they're looking for. And now minimalism, tiny home living, being a digital nomad means you can create the life you want and you can start to find out what's really important to you and start to find what you are looking for. Gold. This is you too, and we are out.